Before we jump into this morning's message, I do want to let you know that this is the last message in our uh, Making Change series, and next week we will be jumping back into Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we're in Hebrews chapter 11 for the whole year, and uh, we've been making our way through there, looking at the different people and their stories and how we can learn to uh, live and move and act by faith. And uh, we're going to be jumping back in, starting with Moses next week. So if you want to start reading up on him and get a, little, get a little ahead of us. But we'll be looking at conquering by faith. Um, what it looks like for God to help us conquer and overcome in our lives by faith. And so this morning, that same theme, let's jump back into making change and look at making change in our finances by faith. Uh, I've been so pleased and so amazed at all that God is doing through this series. It's been amazing to hear stories and to see 45, 46 people signed up for Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University class to begin making the necessary changes. And over these last four weeks, uh, this has been something that, that Honestly, I think a lot of us would say, hey, you know what? I have some significant changes in my finances that I need to make. And I believe that God has been using um, this series as well as Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University to help us make some of those changes. Uh, what I want us to, to remember is that we've been applying four major principles from Scripture uh, when it comes to making change. And I want us to review those real quick before we jump into today's message. So remember the first one is less is more. Everybody say less is more. So we look at Ecclesiastes 4, 6, which says it is uh, one handful. It's better to have one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Then we said uh, the next thing is that financial stress is bad. Everybody say stress is bad. And last week we said that giving is good. Everybody say giving is good. And then today we're going to see that tomorrow matters, all right? So let's remind ourselves because months from now as you walk away from here, I want you to be able to look back and say these are the things that we learned from God's word. We learned what? Less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. And this morning we're going to jump into tomorrow matters. Uh, And, you know, I often get... get, uh, asked a question by, uh, especially having been a youth pastor, I, would al- I was always asked the question as kids were going on, off to college about, hey, what is the biggest challenge that our generation faces? And I, I want to say there are a lot of people that uh, want to dig on millennials and they want to give millennials a hard time. And I actually, I have a lot of hope for this future generation because if you know anything about millennials, you know that when they set their heart on something and their heart is captured by something, that they will give their life for it. And I believe that if if God can capture their hearts and they will give their life for the cause of the gospel, and that is an amazing thing that God could use them. Um, but I think really the greatest challenge that they face is something that we all face But it's just kind of native to their generation because they grew up with instant. Everything was instant. You want to watch a movie? Watch it now, right? And and it's not uh, it's not just affecting them. It affects all of us. Because let's be honest, how many of you, when you send a text to a friend, you immediately expect to see those bubbles popping up, right? You want to see those bubbles because you want them to respond right away. And if they're, you're like, what's wrong? They're not responding. Uh, it took them two minutes to get back with me. What's the deal? We want it now. We send a text. We want them. We want to see those bubbles to know they're texting back to us. When, uh, when we watch a video, we don't want it to buffer, right? We want it now. We want to we wanna press play, and we want YouTube to, to show that video right away. We don't want it to buffer. Um, when we're watching our favorite TV show, 
How many of you feel this way, right? You watch your favorite TV show. You don't want to wait till next week to watch the next episode. When do you want it? You want it now. You want it to play immediately, right? Uh, And the same thing with Amazon Prime, right? We get free two-day shipping. Amazon Prime, it's not enough that it's going to be here in two days. We want it now. We want the dash button. We want it to show up on our doorstep today because we need it now. And we've been conditioned in our life to want things now. And so when we use the phrase, tomorrow matters, it's difficult for us to think about that because most of us are only thinking about now. We're only thinking about today. But what we're going to see this morning is that there are some very real principles from Scripture uh, that, that show us that God really does want us to understand that tomorrow matters. And here's the reality that I want us to see is that when we recognize that tomorrow's, tomorrow matters, it changes how we live today. When we recognize that tomorrow matters, it changes how we live today. And here's, here's the sad truth is that 76% of Americans, according to CNN, 76% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. All right, I want you to look at four people next to you, right? Including yourself. Look at three people, cross your row, that's four, right? So here's the reality, is that out of those four, if you were to miss your next paycheck, three of you would not be able to pay your rent or your mortgage or buy groceries, Right? We live paycheck to paycheck. And let me acknowledge for just a moment, I know there are some of you out there who your current job um, isn't paying. You've got a college degree. You've got everything. And uh, to, let's be honest that you're doing the best you can. Uh, and uh, it's, it's an accomplishment if you can make it from paycheck to paycheck. Right? And so I don't want to heap guilt on those of you who are doing everything you can and, and are still struggling in this area. You shouldn't feel guilty. But if we're honest... The vast majority of us as Americans do not have to live that way. We do not have to live paycheck to paycheck, but we, we do so because we have a hard time thinking and planning and preparing for tomorrow. Uh, uh, Proverbs 21.20 says this. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools, what do fools do? Spend. What do they spend? Whatever they get. That Hebrew phrase there, that they spend whatever they get, literally translated means they live paycheck to paycheck. Not really. That's a joke. All right? But think about it. They spend whatever they get. They consume all that they have. And we see that the wise have wealth and luxury, and the fool spends whatever they get. God's desire is for us that we would understand that tomorrow matters. And when we recognize that tomorrow matters, it changes how we live today. I want us to look at a few verses from Proverbs 6, and then we're going to talk about one of the parables of Jesus from Matthew 25. Um, But these verses in Proverbs 6 are... Verses that we use, we have a family devotional that's 26 different cards. It's God's creation A to Z, and each one has a different uh, uh, animal or letter or something on it. And A is this one, actually. It's got a picture of an ant, and we use these at our dinner table. And uh, my daughter probably knows it. Charlie, what what does it say? Go to the ant, you... Slacker. Yeah, sluggard. Yeah, is the translation we have at home. It says, Proverbs 6, verses 6 says, Go to the ant, you slacker. Or sluggard, observe its ways to become wise. Without a leader, administrator, or ruler, it prepares its provision in summer. It gathers its food during harvest. So what is the author of Proverbs saying? What is Solomon saying here? He's saying, look, even the ant knows that tomorrow matters. That he has to prepare in the summertime for tomorrow because winter is coming. 
And so he's got to prepare it. I love, uh, he uses that term slacker. I always think of uh, back to the future and I think of the principle slacker or sluggard, right? How many of you want to be called a sluggard? It means that he's lazy. It means he's just laying there thinking that, you know what, tomorrow doesn't matter. Uh, Whatever preparation I have to do, I'll do it tomorrow, right? And so we have this lazy person and, and Solomon warns against being lazy. He tells his son, he says, no, you need to learn and be wise. You have to prepare for tomorrow. And then in Matthew chapter 25, uh, let me just say up front that this parable that Jesus is telling has absolutely nothing to do with money, but we can actually learn some financial principles from what he's talking about because he's using a real life situation to talk about a spiritual truth. Okay, so Jesus' point in this parable, I just want to be up front, Jesus' point in this parable is not about money, but what we will see is that Jesus is saying that tomorrow matters. Okay, so if you're not familiar with this parable, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but essentially Jesus tells a story about a master who gives some, he entrusts three of his servants with different levels of talents, and a talent is a measure of money. Some translations say a bag of gold. And so he comes to the first man and he says, look, I'm going to give you five bags of gold. And it says that that man went out and immediately put his money to work and he invested it. And when the master comes back, he, he's gained five more bags of gold. And the master says, you've done a great job. And then he gives another man, he gives him two bags of gold. And the man goes out and it says he immediately put his money to work. And when the master comes back and says, hey, give an accounting. Tell me what you've done with, with what I gave you. The man says, hey, I took your two bags of gold and I made two more bags of gold. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and enter into your master's joy. And then he comes to the last man. He only gave one bag of gold. And he said, hey, what did you do with the gold that I gave you? And he says, oh, I knew that you were a wicked man. I knew that, that you sow where you don't, uh, you reap where you don't sow. I, I knew that you're a harsh master. So I, you know what I did? I didn't want to lose any of your money, so I just buried it. I just buried your money. And this is what the master says. He says, the man who had received five talents went and put them to work. But for the one man, he calls him a wicked, or he calls him an evil and lazy servant. He says, you are evil and lazy. Not just lazy, but evil. Why? Why does he call him evil? Because here's a man who was giving no thought to tomorrow. Here's a man who did not care about tomorrow. He was only thinking about today. So the reality is that tomorrow matters. God wants us to understand that tomorrow matters, that what we do today affects our future, and that we need to be thinking forward. We need to be thinking forward uh, and God is concerned with what we do today. Uh, real quick, one principle that we can learn from this is that there are two ways we make money. Two ways that we make mo- money. Number one is people making money, right? And most of you experience this. You, you have a skill, you have a talent, you have something that you've learned, and you go to work for 40 hours a week or 60 hours a week or however many hours a week that you work, and you, at the end of those two weeks or the end of the week, you receive a paycheck, right? And you get paid for what you do. So people make money. And the second way that we see is money making money. Money making money. Let's look at uh, 25, Matthew 25, that verse again, when he says... Um, It says, the man who had received five talents went, and what did he do? He put them to work and earned five more. He put them to work and earned five more. All right? And so even though, again, I want to be absolutely clear, the point of this parable is not about money. We can learn a very real principle from that, which is that we can put our money to work and that they can make more. That's called investing. Right? We just let our money 
make money for us. Uh, and that's called investing. And that's what I want us to talk about today. And I want to be absolutely upfront. Uh, I am not a financial advisor. I'm not going to tell you where or how to invest your money. What am I? I'm a pastor, right? Uh, and so I don't... I, it would be a bad deal for both of us if I started to try to tell you. Uh, we would both be in big trouble if I started trying to tell you where to put your money. Uh, but what I can do is I can look at the scripture and we can pull out some principles that we can apply to investing our money so that we're doing it in a way that honors God. All right? So what I want us to see first, the first principle that I want us to see as we talk about tomorrow matters is first and foremost... Don't invest in things that you don't understand. Don't invest in things that you don't understand, right? Uh, if you can't explain it, don't do it. Let's look at Proverbs 24, verses 3 through 4. It says, a house is built by wisdom, and it is established by what? Understanding by what? By knowledge. The rooms are filled with every precious and beautiful treasure. Here's the idea. The idea is that if you want to build a house... If you want to build your finances, if you want to build your family, you must gain understanding, knowledge, and wisdom. So we want to be sure that we understand what we're investing in. Uh, I honestly have not made uh, many investments. I do have a retirement plan, but uh, I don't really pay too close attention to that. I have someone that kind of worries about that for me. Um, But the best example I can think of is when I was in eighth grade. When I was in eighth grade social studies, we got to do a stock market project, and we, uh, back then, we didn't have internet in the classroom. We had newspaper. Um, kids, newspaper is like an iPad, but with paper and ink, uh, right? So we had newspaper that the teacher would bring in every, every Friday. We would get our newspaper, and we would have to find the stock, and we would look and see what stocks we wanted to buy and sell, and there was a financial advisor that came in and taught us how to do this, and he was explaining it to us, and I had a real simple strategy. My strategy was that if I bought Nike, I also bought Reebok, right? Because I figured if one goes up and the other one goes down, that at least maybe we'll break even. And then it got to be Christmas time. It was like November. And before we went on break for Thanksgiving, I was like, you know what? Christmas is coming. I should buy Toys R Us. So I like put almost everything in Toys R Us and we started making money, right? And so my little group that I'm in charge of, like the guy that's doing the the class, he's a professional financial advisor. He's like, what is your strategy? He's like, you just keep, like people in my office want to know what you're doing. And, And I was like... I was like, well, you know, uh, Taco Bell had this new thing coming out. And I was like, I put money in Taco Bell. I was like, Toys R Us, Christmas is coming. So we bought more of Toys R Us. We bought more of Tyco and and all this stuff. He's like, okay. Well, second half of semester, we come back, right? And uh, I can't remember if it was a a car company or an airline uh, that something happened. And I had put money coming up for spring break in travel and then there was a strike or like something really bad happened and we lost everything. Why? Because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't understand. So I put everything in one thing and I didn't understand how it worked. And we, man, we took a major hit. We still passed, but we took a major hit. And, uh, and why? Because I didn't understand what I was doing. I had no clue what I was doing. So we want to be careful that we don't invest in things that we don't understand. If you can't explain it, just don't do it. Um, I, I do know this, and I have heard this. Sometimes the best investment is the one that you do not make. 
Sometimes the best investment is the one that you do not make. And I just looked over at our financial planner and he's like, yeah. Sometimes the best investment is the one that you do not make. We have to invest in things that we understand. So we want to gain understanding. The second thing I want us to see is this, that we don't put all our eggs in one basket. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Your grandma said that and the Bible says that. Who knew that grandma was so wise, right? Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Ecclesiastes 11.2 says this, Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. I do know this. The one principle that I remember from that eighth grade social studies class, the first thing they taught you, what is it? When it comes to investing, you have to diversify, right? You've got to diversify. And scripture says this very clearly. It says, hey, spread out your investments. We don't want to put everything in one place. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, I, I grew up in, in middle school. I was like a big cowboy. I was the only kid. I had a belt buckle so big you could eat off of it. Um, I, had, I had, man, Wrangler blue jeans starched, and they were so tight, like I could not grow hair on my legs. Uh, I was a cowboy, and there was a principal at the high school that went to my church, and I would go to his, uh, his house on the weekends, and he would let me ride his horses if I would muck out the stalls. So I would go muck out the stalls. And here's what I learned very quickly uh, and, uh, about manure, right? Or depending on what part of Texas you're from, manure, right? So if you put manure in a big pile, what happens? It stinks. It smells. You can smell it. Uh, it's not good. But what happens if you take that same pile of manure and you spread it out? See, if you start spreading it out, what happens is that it causes things to grow. And you're going to see in this video, watch this. This is only one week. That's one week. And did you see the amazing growth that took place in just one week as it was spread out? So the reality is, if we put all our eggs in one basket, if we put all of our finances in one thing, we are in danger of something bad happening, right? And it's going to stink. But if we spread it out, If we spread it out, then there's the potential for it to grow. So we want to be careful that we don't put all our eggs in one basket. Um, The third thing that I want us to see, and this is where I want to spend a lot of our time, is this. I think this is the, the hardest one for us, and that's this, that we don't try to get rich quick. Don't try to get rich quick. This is one of the biggest dangers that I think we face, especially as men. Men, we are sprinters. We want to get rich quick. But we've got to realize that when it comes to investing, when it comes to saving and preparing and planning for our future, that it's a marathon, not a sprint. Let's look at 1 Timothy 6.9 and see what Paul has to say about this. He says, But those who want to get rich quick fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. See, here's the problem is that when we desire to get rich quick, when we think it wants to happen now, Paul says what it does is it pulls you away It pulls your focus away from being on God and you put it solely on yourself and on money. And when that happens, you give the enemy a foothold to where he can break into your life and pull you away from God from what truly matters. And you begin only thinking about yourself. You begin only thinking about your money. It's self-centered and all you want is that you want it now and you don't make wise decisions. You become vulnerable to the enemy and he draws you off the path of pursuing Christ to where you're only pursuing money. Let me tell you that that is not God's desire for you. Uh, Many of you may be familiar with this scenario. You have a friend who comes to you and says, man, I have the investment of a lifetime. 
I have the investment of a lifetime. Let me tell you about it. Uh, and then you say, well, tell me about it. And he's like, well, first of all, I can't explain it. Ding, ding, ding. Warning number one. He says, but it's an international investment. Ding, ding, ding. Number two. Uh, and he says, and it's going to pay $20,000. Uh, well, how often? Every week for the rest of my life, $20,000. Ding, ding, ding. Warning number four. Right? He can't explain it. doesn't understand it. Uh, and it just is not a good idea. And they, they mortgage their house. They borrow money. They make the investment. And what happens six months later? They're broke. They owe money. They fall behind. Why? Because they wanted to get rich quick. They wanted to get rich quick. We have to view this as a marathon and not a sprint. Let's look at Proverbs 13.11. Proverbs 13.11 says, Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Little by little makes it grow. We want to be faithful. We want to be faithful. Some translations talk about um, uh, dishonest money. It makes it dwindle. Some, some translations talk about how it's hard labor, that we have to be careful, that we need to make sure that we're not out to just get rich quick. And I know some of us may struggle with this idea of investing. We may struggle with this idea of building wealth. It's unfortunate that in this country today, there's a lot of negative ideas and negative thoughts against the rich and the wealthy. And let me tell you that uh, actually Scripture is, is kind of split. There are times where it talks very negatively against the rich and the wealthy, and there are times where it also talks very positively uh, towards wealth and towards riches. What's the difference? The difference is where your heart is. The difference is what you intend to do with that. When your intent is to just spend it all on yourself and to waste it all on yourself, then Scripture says that is greed and that is not good. I don't care what Gordon Gecko says. Greed is not good. Uh, scripture says, hey, you're, you are to take what God has given you. You're to invest it. Look at what he says in 1 Timothy 6.10, the very next verse. He says, for the what? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. How many of you have heard that the love of money is the root? Most people say, no, money is the root of all evil. But what does this say? The love of money. Money is amoral, right? Money is not good or bad. It's like a brick, right? I can take a brick and I can build a house with it. Or I can take a brick and I can smash your window. The brick is not good or bad. It's how I use it. And that's what God wants us to understand is that our heart is often revealed by how we use it. If we use money only on ourselves, we become selfish and we become pulled away from doing uh, what he wants us to do. It's not that money is bad. It is the love of money. Let me tell you, it's a lot easier to do good when you have something to do good with. Right? Amen? It's a lot easier to support someone, to give to your church, to help a neighbor when you have the ability to do it. And there are many today, even in the church, who would say, no, 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 we're all supposed to, you know, remember Jesus told that one man, go sell everything you have and follow me. That was one man. That wasn't everybody he encountered. That was one man. We have to be wise. We have to be prepared. And we have to be sure that we're guarding our heart. That when we invest, when we save, and the way that we spend doesn't become only about us. We have to guard our hearts. Proverbs um, chapter 3 Verses 9 and 10 also tell us this. It says, Honor the Lord with what? Your possessions and with the first fruit of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. We're to honor the Lord with what he's given us. And the promise is that if you honor me, then, then you will have what you need and you'll be able to do more. You'll be able 
to invest in other people. You'll be able to, uh, to honor me and to do good things, not for yourself, but for your kingdom. We have to guard against the greed. We have to guard against this idea. Um, and and there's, there's a very thin line. There's a very thin line between uh, what is good in building our wealth and what becomes selfish and greedy. And it's hard to know where that is. But Jesus tells another parable about a man who, who has great wealth. In fact, he's, he's done so well for himself that his barns are full. And he's taking in a harvest and he says, man, I, my barns are so full, I don't have anywhere to store all this extra harvest. And the man is kind of faced with a choice. He can either take that extra and say, you know what, my barns are already full. I have enough stored up for a rainy day and I'm still taking in more. Perhaps I should give it to someone who needs help. Maybe I should use it to bless someone else. Maybe I could use it for God's kingdom and his purposes. But instead, the man says, you know what? I'm going to tear down my old barns and build bigger ones so that I can store up more for myself. And God comes to him that night and says, you fool. Tonight, your life will be demanded of you, and who will inherit all of your stuff? He won't even get a chance to use it, enjoy any of it. Because he was foolish. Because he was foolish. God calls us not to be greedy, not to build up stuff just for us to enjoy, but for us to invest in other people. And here's the reality is that my prayer for you is that you would become an amazing investor. And don't think for a moment that that I'm only talking about money. My prayer for you is that you would learn to invest in your family, that you would invest in your marriage and that you would be richly blessed with a solid marriage, that you would invest in your children and that you would be richly blessed with a relationship with children who love and honor God and someday give their lives to follow and obey him and to teach others about him. I pray that you'd be richly blessed with relationship as you enter into community with other believers, that you'd be blessed there. I pray that you would be richly blessed as you invest in your church, and you realize as you give your your time, your talents, and your treasure to serve God and his kingdom, that you would realize that we don't just go to church, we are the church. And that you would see an investment, you would see a return as God continues to make what you're investing grow. As he takes those talents that you have, those gifts and abilities that you have, and he, he allows you to use them in ways you never thought possible. As he takes that little bit of money that you're able to invest and, and contribute to the church, and you would see it grow, just like we did at Give a Family Christmas, when we saw uh, a, a small congregation be able to bless two families with Christmas gifts, Chris, uh, a meal for Christmas, and food, nine people provided for by this church. And I pray that you would see that, and that would be an encouragement for you to, to continue investing, to remember that tomorrow matters. One more thing I want us to see. And it's this very simple little equation. And it's this. It says that if we have money uh, and we are consistent over time, then it equals, it equals wealth. Money plus consistency plus time equals wealth. And again, we want to understand that that wealth is not only for our good. It's not only for our enjoyment, but it's meant to be used for God's kingdom. Money plus consistency plus time equals wealth. And what I want you to understand is you could take anything. Um, take, let's, let's take money out of the equation. And let's just apply biblical principle. 
what, to whatever area of your life. If it's your marriage, it's a, if it's your kid, if it's your work ethic, if you take a biblical principle and you apply that to your life consistently over time, you will find a rich blessing in the Lord. Not, not financial. Let's take the finance out of it. You will find that your life is more richly blessed than you could ever have possibly imagined. Uh, many of you may be familiar with this, this uh, kind of riddle, this brain teaser. There's a book called uh, The Compound Effect. And in it, the author uses this illustration. He says, how many of you would rather have a penny today, uh, excuse me, a million dollars today, or a penny that doubles every day for a month? How many of you would say, I'll take the million dollars today, right? Most people would say, yeah, I'll take that. But here's the deal. If you take the penny that doubles every day for a month, you end up with $5.3 million. And from that, we learn that tomorrow matters. We learn that we have to be thinking ahead. And that so often we sell ourselves short because we just want now. We just want now. But God's word calls us to think forward to tomorrow. And again, my prayer for you is that you would invest, not just financially, that you would be able to prepare for your future and be able to um, plan for your family, but that you would invest in your marriage, that you would invest in your children, you would invest in this church, that you would invest in your relationship with the Lord, and that you would experience the wealth of his blessing in your life. Some of you are, are thinking through, and we're, we're talking about finances, and um, maybe you're like me, and I want to be absolutely, completely honest that I still, uh, I still really lack understanding when it comes to investing. Um, I mentioned earlier I do have a retirement fund that's, that's with the uh, company here in the area, and uh, a couple of weeks ago I had some questions about that, and I wasn't able to get hold of my my guy that's kind of over my account. And so I reached out to a friend who's actually a member in this congregation. I said, could you just, like, I don't even know if where I am is good or bad. Like, I'm looking at this, and I see numbers, but I don't even know if it's good or bad. And I'm willing to bet that there are many people here this morning that maybe you don't, you don't even know where to start when it comes to investing. Or, or maybe you have some investments, and you're like, I don't know if it's good or bad. It's just there. And I'm just hoping that when the time comes that it's there. Uh, and so here's what I would ask of you. Don't be afraid to ask questions, right? Scripture instructs us to, to seek knowledge and to gain understanding. And so if that's you this morning, um, I want to let you know that uh, the financial advisor that we have in our, commun- in, our, in our congregation here, he's not trying to get your business. This has nothing to do um, with you going for him because he met with me and explained to me and my, my account is still over with another company. He just wants you to understand. His desire is that he would be able to help you understand God's principles and how to be successful in this area. So if that's you, I'm going to ask, uh, Scott has, has offered that he's willing to offer a class where you can come and ask questions, and he just wants to help you understand, help you gain knowledge. And so if that's you, you can just write on your connection card like, hey, I'm interested in this, or you can write your questions and we'd love for you to write your questions on there so that we can give them to Scott and he can be prepared to answer those questions. We don't have a date yet set for that because we wanted to find out how many people were interested. And the other thing you can do is you can just email me, charlie at riverrockbible.com, and say, you know what, I want to I gain understanding. I don't know anything. And I can tell you that I will probably be at this class because I don't know anything. Um, and I want to gain understanding. I want to be sure that I'm, in, I'm investing in a wise way 
so that when the time comes, uh, and, and should God bless that investment, that I would be able to turn around and use it for his kingdom, that I would be able to invest it in someone else, that I'd be able to, to invest financially in kingdom work, in kingdom work, knowing, realizing that tomorrow matters. The last thing that I would say is this, recognizing that tomorrow matters. The reality is that tomorrow matters for all eternity. And what you do today impacts your, your eternity. And if you are here this morning and you have yet to put your trust in Jesus Christ, let me tell you that what you do today will impact your eternity. Scripture makes it absolutely clear. We've, we've said that stress is bad. Stress is bad. Debt is bad. And the reality is that every single one of us owes a debt because of our own sin. We've all messed up. Every single one of us has messed up. But the good news of the gospel is that God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for your sins. And in that moment, as he died on the cross, his righteousness was put on you as your sins were put on him. And for all those who put their trust in Jesus Christ, they receive that. They receive his righteousness and and your sins are put on him so that when God looks at you, he no longer sees your sin, but he sees his sinless son, Jesus Christ. And your sin, debt, is forgiven. When Jesus died on the cross, his last words were, it is finished, to telestai. It's a word that was used in the financial sector to mean paid in full. That when a debt had been paid, they would stamp the bill of sale with to telestai, paid in full. And that is exactly what happened on the cross of Jesus Christ, that he paid in full for your sins. And the only way we receive that is through faith. That we would say, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ is the sinless Son of God who died on the cross for my sins. And I am trusting in Christ and Christ alone is my Savior. Not my good works, not my church attendance, not how much money I give to someone else or to the church. I am trusting in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. And in that moment, Scripture says that you move from death to life. John 5, 24 Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you that he who hears these words of mine and believes him who sent me does not, come into, uh, does not come into judgment, has eternal life, and has passed from death to life. That happens in the moment you say yes to Jesus Christ. So if you were here this morning, and that is you, there is no greater investment that you could make than in the investment of your faith in God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, I would ask that you would come find me after the service or that you would check the box that says I'm interested in a relationship with Jesus Christ and allow me the opportunity to follow up with you this week to talk to you more about that. For those of you here this morning that you would say I'm already there, I've already put my trust in Jesus Christ, let me challenge you with this. Who in your life has yet to embrace that reality? Who in your life that were they to die today? Here's the reality that we will spend eternity somewhere. We talk about it, tomorrow matters. The reality is we will spend eternity somewhere. We'll spend eternity in heaven with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Or we will spend eternity separated from God in a very real place called hell. And every single one of us knows people who at this moment, their eternity is that they are, they are headed toward eternity towards hell. Yet we have the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ that we could invest in them. 
that their tomorrow would be changed and their future would be set through faith in Jesus Christ to an eternity with God. So let me challenge you with that this week. Is there someone in your life that you could invest in, that you could make the greatest investment ever? The greatest investment that Jesus ever made was not financial. It was in a small group of men and women who ended up giving their lives for the sake of the gospel. And you and I are here today because they shared the gospel with other people. Will you make that same investment in someone else in your life? Let's be great investors, not just financially. Let's be great investors for the kingdom of God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We ask that you would be with us. Father, that you...